irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Arlington National Cemetery is a United States military cemetery in Arlington County, Virginia, across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C., in whose 624 acres have been buried the dead of the nation's conflicts beginning with the American Civil War, as well as reinterned dead from earlier wars. The cemetery was established during the Civil War on the grounds of Arlington House, which had been the estate of the family of the Confederate General Robert E. Lee's wife, Mary Ann Custis Lee, who was a great-granddaughter of Martha Washington. The cemetery, along with the Arlington House, Memorial Drive, Hemicycle, and Arlington Memorial Bridge, form the Arlington National Cemetery Historic District, listed on the National Register of Historic Places in April 2014. There are several memorials on the grounds of Arlington National Cemetery, but due to a lack of space for burials and large amount of space, the memorials take up the U.S. Army now requires a joint or concurrent resolution from Congress before it will place new memorials at Arlington. Near the Tomb of the Unknowns, stands the USS Maine Mast Memorial, which commemorates the 266 men who lost their lives aboard the USS Maine. The memorial is built around a mast salvaged salvaged from the Maine's wreckage. The USS Maine Memorial served as the temporary resting place for foreign heads of state or government. Manuel L. 
Cuzon of the Philippines, and Ignacy Jan Paderewski of Poland, who died in exile in the United States during World War II. The Space Shuttle Challenger Memorial was dedicated on May 20, 1986, in the memory of the crew of flight STS-51, who died during launch on January 28, 1986. Transcribed on the back of the stone is the text of the John Gillespie McGee Jr. poem, High Flight, which was quoted by then-President Ronald Reagan when he addressed the disaster. Although many remains were identified and returned to the families for private burial, some were not, and were raided to rest under the marker. Two crew members, Scobie and Smith, are buried in Arlington. On February 1, 2004, NASA Administrator Sean O'Keefe dedicated a similar memorial to those who died when the shuttle Columbia broke apart during re-entry on February 1, 2003. Astronauts Laurel Clark, David Brown, and Michael Anderson, who were killed in the Columbia disaster, are also buried in Arlington. The Lockerbie Cairn Memorial is a memorial to the 270 killed in the bombing of Pan Am Flight 103 over Lockerbie, Scotland. The memorial is constructed of 270 stones, one for each person killed in the disaster. In Section 64, a memorial to the 184 victims of the December 11th attacks on the Pentagon was dedicated on September 11, 2002. The memorial takes the shape of a pentagon and lists the names of all the victims that were killed. Unidentified remains from the victims are buried beneath it. On June 25, 1925, President Calvin Coolidge approved a request to erect a Commonwealth Cross of Sacrifice with the names of all citizens of the United States who lost their lives fighting the Canadian forces during World War I. The monument was dedicated on November 11, 1927. And after the Korean War and World War II, the names of U.S. citizens who died in those conflicts were added. The Women in Military Service for America Memorial is adjacent to the ceremonial entrance to Arlington National Cemetery. The Laos Memorial, or Leo Veterans of American Memorial, dedicated to Leo and Hmong veterans who served with U.S. Special Forces and CIA advisors during the Vietnam War to defend the Royal Kingdom of Laos from the North Vietnamese invasion of Laos, is located on Grant Avenue near the Internal Flame Memorial to U.S. President John F. Kennedy. In 2012, legislation began moving through Congress to approve a place of remembrance at Arlington National Cemetery. 
The memorial will be an ossuary designed to contain fragments of remains, which are unidentifiable through DNA analysis. These remains will be cremated before placement in the memorial. The flags in Arlington National Cemetery are flown at half-staff from a half-hour before the first funeral until a half-hour after the last funeral each day. Funerals are normally conducted five days a week, excluding weekends. Funerals, including internments and inurnments, average between 27 to 30 per day. The cemetery conducts approximately 6,900 burials each year. More than 400,000 interments, Arlington National Cemetery has the second largest number of burials of any national cemetery in the United States. The largest of the 130 national cemeteries is the Calverton National Cemetery on Long Island near Riverhead, New York, which conducts more than 7,000 burials each year. In addition to in-ground burial, Arlington National Cemetery also has one of the larger columbaria from cremated remains in the country. Four courts are currently in use, each with 5,000 niches. When construction is complete, there will be nine courts with a total of 50,000 niches available. That's capacity for 100,000 remains. Any honorably discharged veteran is eligible for internment in the columbarium if he or she served on active duty at some point in their career. Burial Criteria Part 553 of Title 32 of the Code of Federal Regulations establishes regulations for Arlington National Cemetery, including eligibility for internment, which is ground burial, and inurnment, which is in an urn in a niche. Due to limited space, the criteria for ground burial eligibility are more restrictive than at other national cemeteries, as well as more restrictive than for inurnment in the columbarium. The persons specified below are eligible for ground burial in Arlington National Cemetery unless otherwise prohibited. The last period of active duty of former members of the armed forces must have ended honorably. Internment may be of casketed or cremated remains. Any active duty member of the armed forces, except those members serving on active duty for training only, are eligible. Any veteran who is retired and eligible for retirement pay from service in the armed forces including service members retired from a reserve component who served a period of active duty other than for training are eligible. Any member 
of the armed services separated honorably prior to October 1st, 1949 for medical reasons and who was rated at 30% or greater disabled, effective on the day of discharge, is eligible. Any former members of the armed forces who have been awarded one of the following decorations, the Medal of Honor, the Distinguished Service Cross, Navy Cross, or Air Force Cross, the Silver Star, or the Purple Heart, is eligible for burial at Arlington. Any former member of the armed forces who served on active duty and who held any of the following positions, an elective office of the U.S. government, such as a term in Congress, office of the Chief Justice of the United States, or an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, an office listed at the time the person held the position in the executive schedule, a chief of a mission who was at the time during his and her tenure classified in Class 1 under the provisions listed by the State Department, is also eligible. Any former prisoner of war, while who, while a prisoner of war, served honorably in the active military, naval, or air service, whose last period of military, naval, or air service terminated honorably, and who died on or after November 30th, 1993, is eligible. The spouse, widow, or widower, minor child, or permanently dependent child and certain unmarried adult children of any of the above eligible veterans are also eligible for Arlington. The widow or widower of a member of the armed forces who was lost or buried at sea or fell out of a plane or officially determined to be permanently absent with a status of either missing or missing in action a member of the armed forces who is interred in the U.S. military cemetery overseas that is maintained by the American Battle Monuments Commission. The spouse, minor child, or permanently dependent child of any person already buried in Arlington National Cemetery is eligible. The parents of a minor child or permanently dependent child whose remains, based on the eligibility of a parent, are already buried in Arlington, a spouse divorced from a primary eligible or widowed and remarried is not eligible for internment at Arlington. Provided certain conditions are met, a former member of the armed forces may be buried in the same grave with a close relative who is already buried and is the primary eligible. Internment criteria for the columbarium due to, at least partly, to the lack of space at the cemetery for ground burial, standards for internment or burial of cremated remains in the columbarium are currently much less restrictive than for the ground burial at the cemetery. 
In general, any former member of the armed forces who served on active duty and whose last service terminated honorably is eligible for internment. Now, there are some prohibitions against internment or memorialization. Congress, from time to time, created prohibited character, uh, prohibited categories of persons that, even if otherwise eligible for burial, lose that eligibility. One such prohibition is against certain persons who are convicted of committing certain state or federal capital crimes, as defined in U.S. In US 38 Code, Section 2411. Capital crime is a specifically defined term of the statute, and for state offense can include offenses that are eligible for a life sentence with or without parole. You may ask, what is the reason for this provision? This provision was originally intended to prevent Timothy McVeigh from being eligible at Arlington National Cemetery but it has since been amended to prevent others of who have committed capital crimes to be buried there also. There are several notable burials at Arlington National Cemetery. For example, the first soldier to be buried at Arlington was Private William Henry Chrisman, of Pennsylvania on May 13, 1864. As of May 2006, there were 367 Medal of Honor recipients buried in Arlington National Cemetery, nine of whom who are Canadian. Five state funerals have been held at Arlington National Cemetery those of Presidents William Howard Taft and John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy, his two brothers, Senator Robert F. Kennedy and Senator Edward Ted Kennedy and General of the Army's John J. Pershing. Whether or not they were wartime service members, U.S. Presidents are eligible to be buried at Arlington since they oversaw the armed forces as commander-in-chief. Among the most frequently visited sites in the cemetery is the grave of President John F. Kennedy. Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, who is buried nearby along with their son Patrick and their stillborn daughter Arabella. His remains were interned there on March 14, 1967. A reinterment from his original Arlington burial site, some 20 feet away, where he was buried in November 1963. The grave is marked with an eternal flame. The remains of his brother, Senator Robert F. Kennedy, and Senator Edward Ted Kennedy are buried nearby. The latter two graves are marked with simple crosses and footstones. On December 1, 1971, Robert Kennedy's body was reinterred 100 feet from its original June 1968 
1968 burial site. Also notable are two of the Apollo 1 astronauts, Gus Grissom and Roger Chaffee, who died in a flash fire in their own NASA space capsule on January 27, 1967, are also buried in Arlington National Cemetery. Another aspect of Arlington National Cemetery is the Arlington Memorial Amphitheater. The Memorial Amphitheater is an outdoor amphitheater, exhibit hall, and non-sectarian chapel located in the Arlington National Cemetery. It was designed in 1913 as a replacement for the older wooden amphitheater near Arlington House. Ground was broken for its construction on March 1915, and it was dedicated in May 1920. In the center of its eastern steps is the Tomb of the Unknowns, dedicated in 1921. It has served the site for numerous Veteran Days and Memorial Day services, as well as for memorial services and funerals for many individuals. The Arlington National Cemetery was established in 1863 due to the growing importance of the cemetery as well as the larger crowds attending Memorial Day observances. Brigadier General Montgomery C. Miggs, who was the Quartermaster General of the United States Army, decided a formal meeting space at the cemetery was needed. A grove of close-growing trees just southwest of Arlington House Grove was cut down and a wooden amphitheater, today known as the Tanner Amphitheater, constructed in the year 1874. By the early years of the 1900s, however, the old amphitheater had grown far too small for the large ceremonies which were being held there. Judge Ivory Kimball, commander of the Department of the Potomac Chapter of the Grand Army of the Republic, or GAR, which is a veterans group who fought for the Union in the Civil War, believed that not only should a new and larger facility be built, but also that the new amphitheater represent the dead of all wars in which the nation had fought. Kimball and the Grand Army of the Republic Veterans Group began their push for a new amphitheater in the year 1903. The sketches for the amphitheater drawn up by Frederick D. Owen, a civilian engineer working for the United States Army Corps of Engineers. But legislation failed to pass Congress in 1905, 1907, and 1908. Legislation passed in 1908 authorizing the establishment of a memorial commission, but it received only $5,000 in funding. 
Legislation was introduced again in 1912 by Senator George Sutherland. Sutherland's bill proposed construction of a 5,000-seat amphitheater with an underground crypt for the burial of famous individuals to cost no more than $750,000. Prospects for the passage initially seemed dim, but during the third, third session of the 67 Congress, a number of new federal memorials were approved, including the Arlington Memorial Bridge, the Lincoln Memorial, a memorial to women who served in the Civil War, now known as the American Red Cross National Headquarters, and a George Washington Memorial Auditorium. The successful push for new memorials helped supporters win the passage of legislation authorizing construction of the Memorial Amphitheater. President William Howard Taft, in one of his last acts as president, signed the legislation into law on March 4, 1913. The 1908 authorizing legislation established an Arlington Memorial Amphitheater Commission, otherwise known as AMAC, to oversee and design construction of the structure. Its members included the Secretary of War, Secretary of the Navy, the Superintendent of the U.S. Capitol, Judge Kimball, and Charles W. Newton. It immediately became apparent, however, that although Congress had authorized the expenditure of $250,000 for the Memorial Amphitheater, it had not actually appropriated any such funds from the U.S. Treasury. This left the AMAC without any funds to conduct its business. It was not until August 1, 1914, that Congress finally appropriated money for the amphitheater's construction. Ten days later, Colonel William W. Hartz of the United States Army Corps of Engineers was elected the commission's executive director. On October 12, 1914, the AMAC contracted with the New York-based architectural firm of Carrier and Hastings to design the building. The AMAC hired George A. Fuller Company to construct it on February 11, 1915. There is some disagreement among sources as to whom should receive the majority of credit for designing Memorial Amphitheater. Lemos, Morrison, Warren, and Hewitt specifically name Thomas Hastings, as does the United States Commission of Fine Arts and others. But other sources name Frederick D. Owen, a civilian engineer working for the Corps of Engineers, and who, by the way, designed the flag of the President of the United States. Owen is named by architectural historians Butler and Wilson and by other historians as the designer of the memorial. The Arlington Memorial Amphitheater Commission is not clear as whom deserves the credit, as it notes that Owen drew the first sketches for the plan for the Great Memorial in 1904 and later gave suggestions and advice 
to the form of the memorial. Owen's significant role is made clear by the AMAC in other ways as well. He designed the memorial trowel used by President Woodrow Wilson to lay the cornerstone. He served on the reception committee for the cornerstone laying ceremony. He co-chaired the planning committee for the 1921 dedications, and he chaired the reception committee for the dedication. But AMAC also says Carrier and Hastings prepared the plans for the building, provided the explanation of the designs to the AMAC, and was named by Congress as the architects. The AMAC's composition changed somewhat after Congress amended the Commission's authorization legislation on March 3, 1915. Congress added the leader of Camp 171, United Confederate Veterans of the District of Columbia, to the Commission as a full voting member. Now we get to the construction of the amphitheater. The site chosen for the new memorial amphitheater was the top of a hill about a thousand feet or 300 meters south of Arlington House. A gravel pit opened in the mid-1800s existed there previously. Ground for the Memorial Amphitheater was broken on March 1st, 1915. President Woodrow Wilson laid its cornerstone in a ceremony on October 13th, 1915. A copper box placed in a hollowed-out section of the cornerstone contained a copy of the United States Constitution, a copy of the United States Declaration of Independence, the Bible, the flag of the United States, one each of every coin and postage stamp then in circulation, a congressional directory, the telephone directory of the District of Columbia, an autographed photo of President Wilson, and several items connected to Arlington National Cemetery. Kimballs participated in the groundbreaking and cornerstone ceremonies, but did not live to see the amphitheater completed. He died on May 15, 1916. Evacuation of the foundation was complete by the end of June 1915. Concrete foundations had also been laid and cured, and most of the brick foundation was in place as well. Most of the amphitheater foundation was complete by June 30, 1916. The foundation included 629,000 bricks, 24 short tons of structural steel, and 21,644 cubic yards of marble for the exterior structure. The Gustavino tile system, patented in 1885, was used to create arches and vaults in the basement. More than 2,500 square feet, or 230 square meters, of this tile were used. The heating, clean water, and sewage systems were also complete. The Corps of Engineers also finished the architectural drawings for the approaches around the amphitheater as well, and was ready to start work on them. A major design change also occurred in June 1915. Originally, plans for the amphitheater called for wooden balustrades, plaster moldings, 
cement floors and ceilings, and wooden doors. But on June 26th, all of these materials were changed to marble. The total cost of the change was $41,000. The work on the amphitheater slowed in mid-1916 and throughout 1917 due to a lack of high-quality marble available for the work. Severe winter weather also meant that work on the approaches did not begin until late June 1917. The amphitheater was supposed to have neared completion on February 15, 1917, but these lengthy delays meant that the construction schedule was extended for a full year. The amphitheater was also proving to be more costly than expected. Bids from contractors were all far above what the Corps of Engineers expected, but work went on anyway. By June 30, 1917, much of the amphitheater and its colonnade were done. Another 35,000 cubic feet or 1,000 square meters of marble had been placed in the columns, and 12,000 cubic feet or 300 meters of concrete and 24 tons of structural steel were used to support them. Skylights and ornamental ironwork stairs were in place, and ornamental plastering and marble carvings had begun. The amphitheater chapel and most of the entrance hall were finished in 1918. The entrance hall was built with red brick, 257,100 of them, and clad in 57,000 cubic feet or 1,600 square meters of marble. Another thousand cubic feet of marble were used for interior columns. The extent to which marble was used in the amphitheater was eye-opening. 5,000 square feet for flooring, 4,700 square feet for stairs, and 1,300 square feet for doors and window frames, and 2,000 feet for molding. The eastern steps consumed 4,500 square feet of concrete. The interiors decorated with ornamental plaster, terracotta terracotta partitions, terrazzo flooring, bronze doors, and grillwork, ornamental ironwork railings, and stairs and glazed tile. While more than $7,000, which is $162,000 in today's dollars, was spent on carving for the amphitheater, just $3,000 was spent on carving on the inside and outside entrance hall. The advent of World War I had significant impact on the construction of the Memorial Amphitheater. The United States entered World War I on April 1917, and by spring 1918, American troops were arriving in Europe. Most skilled workers were diverted to war effort, although some artisans, such as marble carvers, were still available. The Corps of Engineers were able to obtain, after lengthy delays, the high-quality marble it needed for the approaches from the island 
of Vinyl Haven, Maine. But railroad and cargo ships were so congested, carrying war material and military personnel, that the marble could not be transported to Arlington National Cemetery until late 1917. By then, another severe winter had set in. Intensely cold weather continued into the late spring, further delaying work. Only a limited amount of work on the approaches had concluded by the end of June 1918. Some modifications were also made to the structure because of the war. The largest of these changes eliminated the seating planned for the top of the colonnade. By June 1918, nearly all of the Memorial Amphitheater's exterior was complete. The interior work on the chapel and the first floor reception hall was also done, leaving only the basement level kitchen storage areas and the second floor offices to be worked on. Construction of the concrete floor of the amphitheater was also underway. Interior work on the Memorial Amphitheater ended in June of 1919. The remainder of the basement rooms and all of the second floor were now finished too. All that remained was to be done was decoration of the chapel ceiling some interior and exterior inscriptions, and installation of lighting's fixtures. The Army Corps of Engineers was also ready to connect the water and sewer lines, grade the grounds and roads, and install plantings and sod. During the next nine months, these items were all finished and the interior painted. The masonry approaches were also completed and the roadways and sidewalks paved. The G.B. Mullen Company did the landscape design and work, which involved replanting 20 cedar trees around the three amphitheater entrances. In total, 87,000 cubic feet, or 2,500 square meters, of mountain white marble from the Danby quarries of Vermont were used in its construction. The Memorial Amphitheater was dedicated on May 15, 1920. The Corps of Engineers turned it over to the Quartermaster's General's Office on July 1, 1920. The Memorial Amphitheater was designed by Thomas Hastings to be the center of a biactual grouping of landscape features and monuments that included the USS Main Mass Memorial in the west, the Spanish-American War Memorial to the south, and a formal Italianente garden to the east. Greek Revival, Romanesque Revival, and Renaissance decorative elements are used throughout the structure. Ulysses Ricci designed the various friezes, ornamental devices, and decorative elements of the amphitheater and entrance hall. Hastings said he wanted the Memorial Amphitheater to be the building he was most remembered by. 
As constructed, the Memorial Amphitheater consisted of an elliptical outdoor amphitheater that sat 4,000. The bays formed by the colonnade can seat another 150 individuals, and another 1,000 individuals may be accommodated by standing. The amphitheater is surrounded by a colonnade with main entrances on the east and west axes. The capitals, all the columns, are Doric, but rest on an attic base. The entablature above the columns, however, is Ionic, to allow for inscriptions. These inscriptions on the exterior of the entablature list 44 major battles from the American Revolutionary War through the Spanish-American War. Low, backless marble benches in concentric circles face the semicircular main stage, which has three levels. The lowest level stage features a klismos, a form of ancient Greek informal chair meant for rulers. The klismos chair faces the audience, much as a cathedra or bishop's chair does. Hastings intended the klismos chair to remind the audience of the missing heroes honored by the amphitheater. The second level of the stage has a podium. The stage and amphitheater are designed that any speaker must look down at the klismos chair while addressing the audience and must look at the USS Main Mass Memorial if looking up. The third and uppermost level of the stage contains a semicircular seating area for about a hundred people and an asp in the back. The interior dome of the asp is richly carved and square pilasters on either side of the stage list the names of famous American generals left as you face the stage and admirals to the right from the American Revolutionary War through the Spanish-American War. A quote from General George Washington's June 26, 1775 letter to the Continental Congress is inscribed inside the asp. When we assumed the soldier, we did not lay aside the citizen. End quote. A quote from President Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address is inscribed above the stage. Quote, we are, are here, we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. Unquote. Decorative nine foot tall or three meter tall urns carved with eagles, rams heads, and snakes were placed on pedestals in niches on either side of the stage. Above the west entrance to the amphitheater is a quote from the Roman poet Horace, Dulce et dorcrum es pro patria mori. Translating into English, it says, It is sweet and fitting to die for one's country. Under the colonnade are 300 crypts, which were intended for the burial of important people. Those to this day lie empty. In the basement or ground floor, if approaching from the west, beneath the amphitheater stage is a chapel, 
This dome structure was designed to seat 150 and has a raised ambulatory around the edges. As originally designed, the main entrance was in the east through the doors of the cruciform entrance hall. The entrance hall is a fronted by a six-column portico with Corinthian capitals. A frieze above the main bronze doors depicts symbolic trophies of war. The entrance hall is not connected internally with the amphitheater. Stairways, bridges, and short corridors on the outside of the entrance hall provide access to the stage of the amphitheater. A main floor of the reception hall is all clad in Bautisno marble. The main floor originally housed a reception hall with two side galleries for display of battle flags and war trophies and a stage. The second floor housed a museum. In 1929, the main floor became a memorial exhibit hall displaying honors received by the unknown soldiers lying beneath the tomb of the unknowns and the second floor became offices. Steps lead the main doors of the entrance hall down to a small plaza. Hastings designed a series of short steps to lead from the plaza down to the landing and then a series of monumental steps to lead from the landing to the eastern formal garden below. In the center of the short steps was a pedestal for a statue. No artwork was ever placed there. This pedestal was later removed and the Tomb of the Unknowns took its place in the year 1921. The planned monumental steps leading down to the formal garden were not built when the memorial amphitheater was dedicated. A retaining wall with false arches was constructed instead. A roadway was designed to cross the plaza and circle the entire structure. On March 4, 1921, the Congress approved the construction of the memorial to an unidentified American serviceman from World War I to be placed in the stairs leading up from the East Landing to the plaza in front of the Memorial Amphitheater. An unknown soldier was identified and brought back from France and interned inside a small marble tomb on Armistice Day on November 11, 1921. To construct the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, as it was then informally called, the pedestal from the memorial statue envisioned in Hastings' design was removed. Workers dug 20 feet down into the earth behind the retaining wall. At this level, concrete footings 16 feet long by 10 feet, 10 feet wide were constructed. The earthen walls were reinforced with a burial vault. A hollow rectangular plinth was constructed on top of the vault walls, above which a slightly smaller hollow marble base. A two-inch deep layer of soil brought from France, along with the unknown soldier's body, lined the bottom of the burial vault. After the unknown soldier was lowered into the vault and rested on the soil below, 
The capstone was sealed with a marble lid. Your journey is now ending. The Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.